0: So uh, just on a serious note, I think if any of you have any New Zealand friends uh, you might want to go check if they're okay because yesterday they got England, uh, they got dominated by the England rugby team in the Rugby World Cup semi-final. Thank you. So (laughs) my name is Dan uh, and as you can tell I'm a big rugby fan. Now you might have heard of the name Dan before on this stage in reference to this church's pastor, that is not me, that is a different Dan, some actually say I'm the cooler Dan, Uh, but on a serious note, uh, we're both cool actually, so it's okay, and uh, I'm here this morning to finish off the series we've been going through called, Will It Be Us?, And to be honest, I've been excited for this series ever since Dan told me about it. I think it's been a great series on the back of the vision of this church. And the reason I think it's great is because this series is all about God's character and how he loves us and wants to be in relationship with us, but how we are a part of it. So like all of God wants to bless us. He wants to do right on this world, but he won't do any of it without us in all of his power, all of his omniscience because he loves us he chooses us to do it with and because he loves us he doesn't even force us either like we have a choice in this like it's on us to be able to go with God to see these amazing things happen and we've read several stories of people who have acknowledged this and chosen to act in obedience with God and they've seen some amazing things happen and I think that's just what God's heart is for us, so that we get closer in relationship with him so we can see some amazing things happen in our lives. And I'm going to continue the series with another story in the Bible, which is found in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. So if you'd like to turn, I think it should be on the screen as well. Uh, you can't read it that well, but I'm going to read it anyway. Uh, So it says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Sons, your sins are forgiven. And before I start, I'm just going to pray. So Lord, uh, I thank you for what you've been speaking through this series already. I thank you that you're a God of love and you want to see amazing things happen in our lives and you've given us an opportunity to do that with you. I pray this morning that it is your words and not my words spoken this morning. And to all that are here this morning or listening to this message, that their hearts, eyes, and ears will be open to your word. And I pray that it sparks a revelation and action in their hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we have this pretty familiar story of Jesus healing a paralyzed man. Like if you're among the church, you would have heard this preached on quite a lot. And it usually goes along the similar theme theme. So it's quite hard to say. Uh, this is going to be a new message, so you might already guess like the points I'm going to bring to you and what I'm going to try and say about the story. But even though it's not necessarily new, I do think it's an important one because this is a story of how to approach faith and how God wants us to approach it. So before I get into the story, I want to give a bit of context. How did we get here? So how did Jesus get in this position? So if we actually read in The chapter before in Mark 1, verses 40 to 45, Jesus did another another miracle. He healed a man. (laughs) That was a bit distracting. But But yeah, so we've got this story. And in the chapter before, Jesus did another miracle. And he healed a man with leprosy. Now, what happened to the story? He healed this man, and then Jesus told this man to try and keep it quiet. He didn't want anyone to know. But this man... uh, didn't do what Jesus said, and he went to tell anyone and everyone all about what he did, and this is significant because what Jesus did in healing a man with leprosy was something that they only thought God could do. It's what they would call a messianic miracle. So when this guy was going telling people about what Jesus did, that is start to prick up. They suddenly become interested. It's like, what this guy did this, like. Is this the guy that supposedly God has sent to save us? Like, we need to go check this guy out. We need to find out a bit more about him. So here we are in this story in Capernaum, and people find out where Jesus is, and because of what they've heard about him, they all want to check this guy out for themselves because of what he's done. And this is where we get a big crowd of people, like so much so that these men struggle to get in. And just on a side note, it's like, if back then where it was a pain to get anywhere, and a message was so hard to get out, they got such a big crowd. Imagine the crowds that we are going to get for God doing miracles through this church and this community. Like, that is something to be excited for, that is something to be expectant of. Because when God works, it is usually countercultural, and people will start talking about it. So, we have a crowd, and these four men turn up. And there's no doubt in my mind that these men are here for the exact same reason... Everyone else is here because of what they've heard about him. They probably didn't know anything about Jesus before this point, but not only did they show up, they climbed the roof of his house, they destroyed the roof of his house, and then dropped their mate down it. Like, that's a pretty crazy story. That takes some crazy faith. And faith is something that Jesus' ministry has been about. It's been at the center of. We read in Hebrews 11, verse 6, Without faith... It is impossible to please God. In Matthew 21 verse 21, And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, move, and it will move. And what happened to the fig tree was Jesus said to it, die, and it died. It did what he said. So like, faith is so important in all of it and in everything that we do. And I want to propose this morning from this story three points that we can take away of how God wants to approach faith and obedience to see these amazing, crazy things happen in our lives. And I'm just going to read the passage again in Mark 2. So a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And when he preached the word to them... Some men came bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So, we've just mentioned how this is a pretty crazy story. This is some crazy faith. And a lot of the messages you would have heard about this story probably talk about how we as people need to have faith like these four men showed. So, and you get like, we need this crazy faith. And then everyone in the church is like, yeah, crazy. And then they get all the kids with their can of energy drinks and crush them on the heads like, yeah, crazy. <laughs> and to a large extent, I agree with it. This is a story... About having crazy faith, to be outgoing and active, to make ourselves known in this community, because we may do things countercultural. So we should be crazy. But I want to put this frame around this idea of crazy and what it's trying to demonstrate. So before all of you after this go to the co op to buy energy drinks, I want to give my first point, which is crazy but intentional. Crazy but intentional. Now, for those of you who know myself and my friends, uh, I wouldn't call myself a crazy guy, uh, I wouldn't be the crazy one of the group, I wouldn't label myself as crazy, but because we have some extremely cool people in this church, what we like to do, we go cliff jumping in the Lake District. So, some of you might hear that and think like, well that sounds pretty crazy, but hang on with me and I'm going to say you're half right in that statement. So... If we've decided to go cliff jumping, what usually happens? We wake up early in the morning, get in the cars, drive up, park up, get our wetsuits on, and then walk over to the jumping spots, uh, and we go jump off 20-foot cliffs and have a lot of fun. And usually, like nearly every single time, we'll usually have the same types of conversations. And one of the conversations will be getting changed after we park the car, put our wetsuits on. It's like, ah. Oh, did you bring your spare boxes? And I'm like, yeah, I brought my spare boxes. Like, it's all good. It's like, oh, no, I haven't, but I've got swim trunks, so I'm all good. Someone's ruffling through the bags. It's like, ah, oh, I've forgotten my boxes. And then someone just walks in with the wetsuit. It's like, mate, just go commando. It feels great. You don't know what you're missing. And then we're like, we're friends with this guy and that's usually one of the conversations and then another conversation is usually happening as we're walking to the jump spot talking about how cold the water is going to be and it's like oh how cold do you think it's going to be it's like I don't know I just know it's going to be cold it's like yeah but how cold Colder than the last time mate it's going to be freezing we're in England the north of England in the Lake District it's not going to be fun it's like I don't, know, I don't know if I can hack this cold, I don't know if I want to do this. It's like, don't worry, psych yourself up, it's going to be great, it's going to be worth it. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, it'll be good. And usually at the end of these types of conversations, we usually get to our jumping spots and we go jump in. Now, as I said, I wouldn't call myself a crazy guy and I stand by it. I'm not crazy, I am intentional. Crazy would be jumping into this freezing cold English water in just swim trunks. I have a wetsuit. (laughs) Crazy would be jumping off 20 to 30 foot cliffs into water that you don't know what's underneath you. We do depth checks. We scan the area so we know where we're supposed to jump so we don't get injured. Like, what we're doing is crazy, but we're not idiots about it. We are intentional. And I want to propose that these guys... Think a similar way. I don't think these guys, four men, would call themselves crazy. I think they think they're intentional. And I want to share what it says in Luke chapter five, verse nineteen, where it's talking about the same story but from a different perspective. And this is what it says. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat, through the tiles into the middle of the crowd. Right in front of Jesus. Right in front of Jesus. So what's the goal? Ah, oh, we need to get our mate to Jesus because maybe he can heal him. Okay, but there's loads of people in the way. Uh oh, what if we go on the roof? Okay, sweet, let's go on the roof. Okay, what now? Uh let's dig through the hole. Let's see where Jesus is and try and low him down. Okay, good plan. Where are we supposed to dig? Uh I don't know. The goal was to get right in front of Jesus. So one of the guys probably went down on the roof, tried to decide where Jesus was in respect to where they were standing on the roof. Probably some geometry, code words like bird calls, something like that, to try and figure out where Jesus was. And my point is, like, this took effort. This was precision. There was thought behind this operation. Like, what they were doing was crazy but they were intentional about it. They knew where they needed to get their friend and they were doing everything to get him right in front of Jesus. And I think this point runs true throughout the whole Bible and in life in general. Like, we see in Genesis, God creating the world. Like, that's crazy, but intentional. Jesus' whole ministry was crazy, but intentional. In Paul's letters, he Cause us to be intentional in our actions, like not to be chaotic chaotic, or just do anything willy-nilly. Crazy, but intentional. And we can look in life, like the creation of the internet. That was crazy, but intentional. The first iPhone was crazy, but it was intentional. Sliced bread. Crazy, (laughs) but intentional. So are we going to be a church that is crazy, that does crazy things that aims to see some statistic change in this community around us because if we do we need to be intentional about it that means processes protocols we need to have thought to be able to see and realize these changes these crazy changes that we want to see and that is exactly what faith is faith is crazy believing in something that is illogical to this world but intentional Believing it can be done because we know the God that is behind it. And that is my first point, to be a crazy church. And my second point is persistent and active. So we have a vision, we have a vision of the church. We know where we want to be, we know where we want to go, and we're intentional about it. But if we don't do anything, if there's no action, that is all that it's going to be, a vision. And that's where it will stay. Like We need action with our faith. In James 2 verse 26, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also is faith apart from works is dead. Like We need to be active. We need to have action and go do stuff. Imagine if these guys just stayed in the crowd and they had the intention of healing their friends but didn't do anything about it. They would have missed out on the miracle of a paralyzed man being able to walk again because they didn't do anything. So we are called to be active. So that means smile at someone, give someone a compliment, be the first to say hi, not only to your, our friendship groups, to just the people in the street. And to be honest, uh, I was actually convicted on this this past week. And it, it was cool because I go to uni in Durham so I have to walk through the city to get to all my lectures. And I was just walking down, thinking about my message, and there was people walking in the opposite direction. And as soon as they were close to getting past me, I was like, right, chest up, look straight, dead in the pound of face, I'm hard. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that, that's my instant, like alpha male mode, instantly. So they like, yeah, I look pretty cool right now. And it was weird, because I was thinking of this message as like, Right. I'm supposed to be telling here to be complimentary, to smile, to show love in this community. And I'm just doing this whilst listening to worship music, I might add. Uh so it, it just got me thinking and I was determined the next person I'll go smile at. And it's not like stopping them and like hey, I'm trying to be nice to you. Like but just like a you're right. Uh And that's what I did. So I was walking along, someone else, I just gave a smile. They smiled back. And for those of you that know me, like, I'm not a very good liar. And I'm not a good liar because I smile. And I had the biggest grin on my face after that. Like, it probably meant nothing to her. It was probably so small and insignificant. But the fact that I made someone else smile just made me feel so good. So it's like, we're loving in this community, not just for the benefit of them, but the benefit it gives us as well. Like, that is something so small and so insignificant, you might not think to do it. But in this community, if we do loads of small, insignificant acts of love, that's where we're going to see a big impact in this community, and that's where miracles are going to come through. And, yes, yeah, so, did that, had the big smile on my face and it was all good but as well as being active we need to be persistent that means even if we don't get the smile back even if someone gives us a finger whilst we do it like we keep going we keep at it and that's what persistence is like go back to the story and imagine these guys on the roof digging through the hole now my scenario before where they were digging a hole first time to get right in front of Jesus. That was probably a best case scenario. Probably what happened was these guys were on a roof and I was like, oh, okay, let's dig here. So they start digging and it's not right where they need it to be. They can't see Jesus under it. Imagine if at that point they were like, okay, we tried, sack it. Like Again, they would have missed out on this amazing thing that God had planned for this man. But no, these guys were persistent. They dug the hole and they was like, oh, let's go again. Because God's call is often going to be hard and we're often going to feel like we're failing at it. But we need to be persistent. We need to keep going. So these guys dig a hole. It's like, oh, okay, he's further to the left. Let's go again. Dig another hole through the roof until they get right above where Jesus was so they could get their friend right in front of Jesus. And I can imagine this happening from the crowd the crowd looking at Jesus, Jesus saying some profound words and speaking the gospel. And there's just dust falling from the roof in the background. But Jesus has done this before. He's professional. So he ignores it. And he keeps speaking to all of this crowd. And as he's speaking, there's more dust falling down. Some gets on his shoulders. Still still doesn't distract Jesus. He's focused. He needs to get the word to these people. Nothing's going to distract him. And he's just preaching and Then he just gets this guy who, above Jesus, is lowering, right in front of him as he's speaking. And it gets right in front of his face. And it gets to a point where Jesus can't ignore what is going on any longer. And he says in verse 5, he saw their faith and then said to the paralytic, your son, your sins are forgiven. Like, these guys' actions were so crazy, so persistent, that even Jesus... God himself couldn't ignore what was going on. So, and this is just similar to what Dan Cronin brought, like a few months ago when he was talking about praying for our community as a city, to be persistent in it. And he brought this parable that Jesus said of the unjust, just, unjust judge. Uh, and just as a quick summary, so this parable was saying that there was this woman who asked the unjust judge for something, the judge declined her. So she was nagging and nagging and nagging. And this judge was like, mate, just shut up. Like, to get you off my back, I will give you what you wanted. And the idea of it, this woman was so persistent. If even a judge who was unjust gave her what she wanted, imagine a God, a God who loves us, who wants the best for us, who wants to bless us. Imagine what he will give to us if we ask, if we are active, if we are persistent, So are we going to pray so much as a church, like even if we don't see any results off the back of it, we'll be praying so much as a church that even God himself can't ignore what's going on in light church and he'll bring about miracles in this community. So we are called to be crazy but intentional, persistent and active. And my third point is everybody matters. So, we've got this vision of the church. We want to reach everyone. And, yeah, everyone matters to God. And there's two perspectives that I want to bring. And the first one is, it's for everyone. So, why did Jesus heal the paralyzed man? Now, some of you may argue that we didn't actually see a healing in the paralyzed man until a few verses after what I've just read when he had... uh, a dispute with the Pharisees, and then he walked again. But I would argue strongly that it was at this point when he said, your sins are forgiven, because in the culture in those times, disease and illness was largely associated with sin. So if someone had a cough or was ill, they assumed, oh, it's because you've sinned. The sin brought about the illness. So it's all interlinked. So when Jesus is saying, son, your sins are forgiven, There's an implicit message of, okay, if your sins are forgiven, you're going to be healed. Because that's why you were diseased in the first place, because of sin. Like, Jesus doesn't just deal with the surface level. He doesn't just go to the problem. He goes deeper. He goes to the source of the problem, and he goes to our hearts. Jesus just doesn't want to fix your problems. He wants to go to your heart and heal your hearts full of love, and from that, everything else will come into intuition and be healed. So I would argue that there was healing in that moment, but who, who brought about the healing? like was it because of this man? Was it because of his action and his faith that Jesus decided to heal him? No. this guy had accepted that his life was always going to be crippled he accepted the brokenness of this world he was going to live his life as a paralyzed man for the rest of his life and he wasn't going to do anything about it he couldn't do anything about it and that was the biggest problem but first five because of their faith it was the faith of the four men that actually brought about this miracle and did you know like we have this same power that we have the same power to heal and save the people around us in this community. And like we have people out there right now that have accepted the brokenness of this world. That have accepted defeat. That just say, this is just who I am. Like This is just what it is. It's like, well, no, it, it doesn't have to be. Like there must be something better than this. We believe in something better than this and we have a hope for something better and because of Jesus we hope for life and life more abundant. So are we going to be a church that has faith strong enough for the people around us that when they can't see themselves to Jesus that we'll have the faith and belief in God that he'll go healing the people and we'll see transformed lives in these communities. Because everybody matters. Everybody matters. God has given us this power because he loves everyone. He wants to reach them. So wants to use us to reach them even though they might not see in themselves. Because everybody matters to God. And that's the first perspective. And the second perspective is, yes, God loves everyone around us. But that also involves you. Like... You matter so much to God. He wants to use you. He wants to love you. He wants to bring miracles in your life. And, like, you are so essential in this church. Like, we need everyone to participate in this if we want to see the vision fulfilled. Like, you matter so much more than you think. And God wants to use you and bring you blessings. Now, some of you might be thinking, like, like, that's all well and good, but... You don't know what I've been through. God does not want to use me. I can't speak in front of people like you can. I am not strong. I am not courageous. I am not smart. Like, you don't know what I've done or how far I feel from Him. Like, He doesn't want to use me. But let me show you something. And this is something that I feel like is often missed in this passage that we've been speaking through. And I'm going to read from verse 2. And it says, So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Some men. Like, these guys were nobodies. Like, the Bible doesn't even name their names. Like, the Bible is famous for giving people special names and attributes so we know who they are. John the fisherman, Matthew the tax collector. These guys get nothing. Like, they were so insignificant, so average, that the authors of this book didn't even bother to speak their names. Like, yet, these guys, just off one foot, brought about this amazing miracle. These guys weren't even Christians. Like, Remember, they only came because of what they've heard about Jesus. Like, on this hope that, oh, maybe he's the answer. They didn't know anything about him. And yet, it was through these people, these nobodies, that God did something amazing and a paralyzed man could walk again. So it's like, God wants to use you. Like, he matters so much more than you think. And God wants to love you in this place now. He wants to use you now, not when you're better, not when you're making steps towards it, but now. No matter how far away you feel, no matter how worthless you think you are, God wants to use you now. Like, why would we settle for imperfection in this world when perfection is offered to us in Jesus? So are we going to have the faith to save others, to have this perfection, and are you going to be involved because God wants to move in your hearts. He wants to heal your hearts as well. And those are my points. So if the band or Tom wants to come up, <laughs> that would be great. So like I said before, this series has been great. And I think it's been great because it's shown like how much God loves us and God's character. And how we are a part of it. God wants to move in our lives. He wants to do anything, but he won't force us. He won't do it without us. He wants us to be involved. The power is in our hands to be able to do something. And there's been a common theme throughout all the preachers that of faith and obedience. So are we going to be a church and a people that act in obedience? Are we going to be crazy, crazy in our actions but intentional in how we do it. Are we gonna be persistent and active? Are we gonna live our lives like we are representing Jesus and the God we believe in to be a light to the world? And are we gonna be consistent and persistent in prayer for God to see these miracles so much so that even he can't ignore it? Because everybody matters. Everybody matters to God. He loves everyone. He loves the people around us, the people who may have accepted the brokenness in this world that may seem like they can't do anything about it. And you, God wants to move in you. He wants to heal your hearts. He loves you now, no matter where you are, where you've been, Christian or not, God loves you now. And I just want to finish in prayer. So Lord, thank you for what you've been speaking this morning. Thank you that your heart is just to be with us and you want to do amazing things through us. And I pray this morning that we can act crazy for you, that our hearts can be aligned with yours and we'll see some crazy, amazing, transformational change in our hearts and in the community around us. In Jesus' name, amen. And just before I get off, I acknowledge that There are a few points to take in here. Uh, But maybe God is speaking to some of you this morning, maybe just one of you. And you might be hearing this message of these guys and these guys just off the back of a thought. Like these guys didn't know what they were getting into, but they just felt that something wasn't right with how it was. Like there must be something better. There's something incomplete and they couldn't put their finger on it. They'd heard of this Jesus guy And other people saying like, oh, you can do these amazing things. And they had this thought, this hope. Maybe this Jesus guy is the answer. Maybe he can do something that we can't. And if so, I'm willing to take that risk. I'm willing to find out for myself. And I don't know where in life your journey is at the moment. I don't know whether you have been a Christian for most of your life. You believe in God and believe in Jesus. And you just want... Action. You want to have this desire in your heart to live crazy for him. And you want God to move you so much that you want to see amazing things happen in your life. Because that's what God wants for you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you don't know whether you believe in God. You've never heard this Jesus guy before. This might be the first time you've been in church. But there's just something like these guys. There's just something not right about this world. Like how can we settle for this world there must be something better there must be something better out there and i want to encourage you that we think exactly the same way like we do believe there is something better and i want to propose to you that maybe it's this jesus guy maybe jesus is the answer you are looking for maybe he is the longing in our hearts that you are desiring and i just encourage you like if god is speaking to you this morning that your heart might be racing and that is him saying, he is here, he is with you, and he loves you. And I encourage you like, to ask him into your heart, Like, check this out, there's something not right. We can't, why are we settling for such brokenness in this world? Like, There must be something better than this. So I encourage you to ask him into the heart, because he's not going to barge himself. He's left it with us. He loves us so much that he gives us the opportunity. And so I encourage you to take that step of faith. And I'm just going to stand before the stage with Dave and Holly. And if any of you have listened to this message and you feel like God is speaking, uh, I just encourage you to take that next step of faith because God loves you. He wants to do amazing things for you and he has a plan and purpose for your life. And we'd love to pray with you and be a part of that journey. So, yeah, I'm going to stand in front of the stage. if you want prayer. We'll be here as the band continue to play in the song.